We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Awabakal and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Awabakal and Wanarua elders, both past and present. Now Andrew Johns. Sights a little hole himself. He's close to reaches and that's a title, Andrew Johns. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is a boom match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew Johns scores the try and that should wrap it up for the Knights. This is the Bay 53 podcast, part of the Sports Best Friends podcasting network and brought to you by A-plus Contracting and Polywelding. Your hosts are Bretto and the K-Dog, Knights fans from the Supporters Bay 53 at McDonald Jones Stadium, home of the mighty Newcastle Knights. This is the Knights podcast described as the Barry White and Barry Menelo of podcasts, so you sit back and decide which is which. As usual, another quiet week in Novocastria land. Nothing happens around this sleepy old town, does it, mate? Nothing at all. You've got to enjoy being a Knights fan because it's just never a dull moment, whether we're talking sort of uh, amongst ourselves or whether we're reading about it online or in the news. It's always happening in Newcastle when it comes to everything rugby league and the Knights. It's funny, isn't it? For a team that, you know, in terms of competition heavyweights, you know, we're, we're certainly not up there. You know, we don't have financial clout. Not yet. From a small little town. Well, not yet. We're from a small little town, but we certainly draw plenty of attention and plenty of clicks, don't we? Um, whether, look, I, I think we're the uh, the unofficial heartland of uh, of World Rugby League, and I've always oh, said no, it. That's official. That's not unofficial. That's official. <laughs> we replaced the north of England. Now we want to get we want to get a couple of um, housekeeping bits out of the way. First of all, um, as we sort of as is often said during the the breaks in our in each episode, um, Big T, our producer, has Big T's teas, and uh, we've had uh, had a little bit of a, a gift, as it were, um, in respect of that this week. Yeah, the great man has produced a couple of teas to suit a couple of handy footballers that we we, we don't mind. Mm. And um, yeah, they've turned out magnificently. So I got the um, I got the KP um, t-shirt. Is that the only one that's available? On the, I think we'll we'll put up a link to um, to Big T's uh, um, t-shirts, uh, and they're purchased uh, through mareinc.com.au. Yeah, the great Tracy from Mare Inc. Knights fan. Um, Produces great products, not just teas, but she does the whole lot. Um, yeah, if you need anything sort of for your trips away or for your sporting clubs or anything, yeah, give give Tracy a call. She does a really good job. And, yeah, support tea and support Tracy and buy a couple of the great teas. He has plenty of different teams, plenty of different players. But, yeah, they all great. Hats, caps, uh, stickers. I know she's helped uh, Statue Guy at one point uh, doing his uh, promotional work to try and get that Andrew John statue happening. So, uh, yeah, we're big fans of her work here at Bay 53. Yeah, I've probably got, you know, a dozen or so products, yeah, between Statue Guy stuff and other bits and pieces she's produced, NRL sort of stuff. I've got the Cameron Smith hanging out of the bin T-shirt one. <laughs> That's uh, that should be a a prime piece of uh, paraphernalia, Bretto. Um, as we said, there is heaps to talk about, so I don't think we really need to muck around too long. Um, men's footy, it's back, it's here, it's happening. It's uh, it's it's great to be a part of it again. Oh mate, it might be only trials, but it's rugby league and it's back, baby. 
It is, isn't it? It's um, so so we're recording this the day after well, well, the Saturday. So <laughs> I don't know why I was going to say the day after Friday. Um, and uh, yeah, we sort of watched the two games last night in Gosford amongst uh, monsoonal conditions, um, but they were still enjoyable games to watch. Yeah, yeah. For in in sort of respect of the teams, I'm sure they appreciate the fact that it's just not stinking hot. Now the monsoon's not great, and it's you know the injury risk is always there in those sort of conditions. But yeah, I'm sure they appreciate not playing in you know 35 degrees. My favourite thing about trials, and, and granted this is the second sort of round of trials, but my favourite thing about trials is always how big a call you can make out of how small the action has has actually been. And my favourite, probably my favourite part about both games last night was that. Uh, two teams fell behind quite early and went on to win the game. And it was it's, it's like the NRLT Twitter I maintain is the best Twitter community in the world. And so watching the change in reactions from cancel the season to wear a grand final tickets, just tremendous areas by all involved. Yeah, it's so funny that the, the, the first great teams playing and the results, then all of a sudden you've never heard any, any of the guys on the field, but that result then changes, so the whole season changes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to 13 blokes need the team that no, no one will cite for the next 12 months, but that's changed the season perspective for so many fans. It's, it's great. I thought no team encapsulated that um, change in fortunes more so than the Tigers. They went from uh, their the, one of their leadership group probably getting suspended for a few weeks to coming through at the end and getting one over the Roosters. And I know it's only a trial, but whether it's a trial or whether it's a, a grand final, a win over the Roosters is a win over the Roosters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the, and the Roosters are a club that are proud of their depth and rightly so. They produce so many good players. So even when they're playing their second string, as you know, that's a, there's a lot of good footballers on the park. So mm. it's an encouraging sign for the Tigers. I want to talk a little bit about Luke Brooks, if only because there's, there's obviously been a lot of interest in him from uh, Knights fans in general this off-season. And as you know, we're, we're sort of on the uh, on the bandwagon that's pro-Brooks to, to Newcastle. Um, what I took from Brooks last night is that the attacking game is still there, and I still think he were, he'd work quite, uh, quite well with... Um, uh, the uh, the guys come over from the Super League. That's momentarily slipped my mind. Jacko uh, Hastings. Yeah, he's so he, I think he works really well with Jacko Hastings. Um, I still I think his defence is now the big issue that lets him down. I still think he and again it's a trial, but I still think he lacks that energy and enthusiasm in the defensive line. He's funny in defence because he can re, he can really tackle. Like his technique is fine. But he just sometimes doesn't seem to, and try is not the right word because all professional athletes try. Correct. But he just doesn't. He just sometimes doesn't seem to put it all on the line. Which, yeah, he's definitely concerned, and you wouldn't be, you know, a real big fan of it if you're a Tigers supporter. Uh, there was enough there though to sort of uh, go from concerns about wooden spoons at the beginning to uh, confidence about being competitive at the end of it. Um, you and I were talking a bit about the Roosters though, and I mean. I think we were, we were a bit surprised that Sam Walker was uh, given the the chance to sort of run out uh, and play that full sort of starting game as opposed to being eased back into the game, given the concerns he's had. And he didn't he didn't finish the game due to concussion. Yeah, it's 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 got to be a worry this early in his career because he's tiny. 
Um, you know, he certainly doesn't physically look ready for first grade. And the Roosters, along with Melbourne, are the two clubs that never, ever put kids in that weren't ready. And he's clearly ready as a footballer. You know, he's, he's an elite talent and he's already showed that he's more than capable of being a really good first grader. But he phys- he's physically not ready. He he puts his head in awkward spots. He gets he gets a lot of knocks. And some of those knocks are unlucky. But, oh, my word, if you're his family, you'd be worried already, wouldn't you? Do you think he's physically not ready or just mentally not ready? Is it something where... It, 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 it's both, but he's mentally not ready because he knows his body's not ready to stand in front of 120 kilo prop forwards. You'd think, though, that the Roosters have the personnel there to cater for that. So they've got the big forwards to sort of stand by his side and sort of take some of that pressure off him under, a little under bit. The new, under the new rules, but under the new interpretations and the way the game's played now, you can't have the bodyguards standing next to him and do all the defending. It's just not possible. Players are too easy to isolate under these rules. Because the, the, ro- the roll on is roll, it rolls on like touch footy. So you can you can isolate defenders so easily. And that's what they do. You can't, it's not the days of Tony Carroll seeing next to Darren Lockyer and all moving up as one. And then Carroll just steps in front of Lockyer and makes the tackle. That can't happen anymore. And that sort of makes sense with the way, because I'm sort of drawing a very long bow here, but that's very consistent with, um, what people were saying last year and in respect, one of the criticisms of the six again rule and, the, and its interpretation was that it created that bigger gap between the haves and the haves not have nots. And, and, and one of the reasons for that could be is that, yeah, your defensive frailties suddenly become a lot more exaggerated because there's a lot more personal responsibility that comes for each player, each of the 13 players in the defensive line. Yeah. The new rules really find out your defensive structures because they just because it's so easy to break your defensive line up now. Clubs that like Melbourne and the Roosters generally and those and Penrith Penrith are the best at in the comp at the moment. The teams that can build their line and recover their position quickly go okay under these rules. But if you have a slight chink in the armor, these rules will find you out because defenders get isolated constantly. And yeah, guys like Sam Walker, yeah, are constantly trying to tackle 120 kilo blokes. It's funny what you say about the Panthers. Uh, I, I think we might, I might have already said it on the pod, is that one of the things you and I in particular noticed seeing live with the Panthers last year at Magic Round was, um, yeah, there are just there are never. It doesn't matter where the opposition has the ball, there are never holes in that defence. Like everybody's always covering for someone else, and so that personal responsibility even goes to the extent of not just looking after yourself, but taking responsibility for what you can do for the for your teammate standing next to you. Yeah, they they play the Titans that day, and as we know, the Titans are a bit of a um, heavy metal football type of team. You know, they play fast. You know, they're a bit all over the place, and they get in amongst teams and upset the rhythm. And that's how, that's how they beat a lot of teams, you know. The, and that's and they gave the Roosters a lot of trouble in that final last year the same way, you know. They break the rhythm. They make the the game all over the place. But Penrith get back into their spot within one tackle. And that's what they were doing that day. And I was just sitting there amazed going, oh, my God, how do you break this team down? And when it got to the finals, well, that's what happened. Teams couldn't break it down. And and that they they were able to rest on that defence at least to the extent where, I mean they they only scored something like forty points across four finals games to win the the trophy, but they knew that's all they needed to score because they knew they weren't conceding more than forty points across those four games. Yeah, yeah, they you know they had a slight lapse in the first round when South got them a couple of times, but that was fixed immediately, and then teams didn't score, you know. Lightning. pretty much didn't score for the rest of the finals. Lightning wasn't going to strike twice. Um, just very quickly, uh, I mean, I don't think we saw anything from the Raiders or the Sea Eagles game that uh, overly surprised us. Um, 
Manly have a few injuries. I think that's a concern there. Uh, Turbo got kept quiet. I don't know if that's a concern. Um, but that's too, that's as as a I'm a super coach player. As a super coach player, I'm very inclined to um, yeah not be captaining Turbo in the wet because he just does get big points in wet games because that doesn't suit his style yeah. at all. He, he, I I'm not sure if it's if, yeah if it's the way he plays or or his injury concerns, but he just never really has much of an impact in the wet. But just very quickly, uh, Fogarty and Whiten. I mean, we 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 were sort of uh, very quick to put the blowtorch on the Sharks halves pairings. Does the same blowtorch need to be applied to Whiten and Fogarty? Oh, absolutely. Fogarty to me hasn't proven yet that he's up to it, you know. And Whiten, despite you know everything he's done in the game, still to me hasn't proven that he's an elite five eight. Whiten, for me, is still unfairly, I think unfairly paying for the fact that he won a Dalian medal and a Clive Churchill medal that every other person said he didn't deserve. And I, and I kind of feel like that's starting to get in his head a bit, like he feels he has to go out there and prove himself, not just on the field, but to justify other selections, other accolades that he's gotten. Does he need to go back to basics, as it were, and really just focus on playing the best footy he can rather than wondering whether or not he's justifying the footy that everyone thinks he's capable of doing? Yeah, you're right. He, you know, he has the reputation of, you know, a Dalian medalist and a Clive Churchill medalist, and he's got the, the million-dollar salary we're pretty much close to. Um, and he's, he has not handled that at all. He hasn't handled any of that. He, does, he doesn't handle being a leader. That's not who he is. He um, When he was just a younger player on that side – he he was quite dangerous because he just bob up, you know, when he wanted to and and do and play his game. But trying to be an organising an organiser and a leader does not suit him at all. And I really think it's been detrimental to him and to the Raiders. Look, I, I think all all four teams uh, last night. Like I said, I don't think they did anything that generally sort of surprised us or jumped out of the box. Um, you know, the trials uh, you take you take from the form, the what you want to take from them. Um, but having said all of that, we're, we're Knights fans, so um, we didn't lose a game. And, uh, yeah, let's let's jump back to Monday night. Uh, the Knights uh, uh, v. Bulldogs game, uh, it's a little bit of a while ago now. But, um, Bredo, what were your thoughts? Um, I think we got out of it everything you'd want out of a trial. The, the, um, the starting 13 guys played some good minutes and showed enough. Um, the Clune-Clifford combinations showed, you know, there's still plenty of work to do, obviously, but there's enough there to work with. Um, KP was quiet, but I want KP to be quiet in the trials because I don't want him getting tackled. Mm. Um, you know, and, and then he got annihilated by the Canterbury winger there at one stage. Mm. Um, yeah, no, all, all in all, it's exactly what we want to have a trial. It was a solid effort. You know, to me, there wasn't many standouts, but there wasn't many sort of um, disappointments either. Kloon was a standout for me, if only because that's the agenda I'll be running uh, regardless. Oh, we're Looney Cleans. We're all in Looney Cleans. Regardless of what anybody says about his form this this year, I'm all in. Um, But I think what encapsulated uh, why Kloon has the potential to make the difference for us was on two fronts, was the 100-metre sprints that he did um, in in cover defence, one of which he managed to... Uh, sort of delay a try, and the other one he just he, he just didn't quite get there in time. But that's the defensive effort that we thought we might be lacking, it's, especially with uh, Connor Watson going. You know, that's that's the that's the effort and the energy that you want to be seeing from a guy to prove himself. 
Yeah, yeah, and and obviously he's got that sort of chip on his shoulder of being, you know, mid-20s now and not really having a chance. So you'll see this is his last chance, so he's going to put in those sort of efforts. But the speed really impressed me. He, you know, he Surprised really me. chased back. He, um, Yeah, for a little guy, he was very, very quick. You know, he... Um, he put he put a hurry up on a couple of them, but no, he, he played really well, Clune. He obviously set up the try for Dom, and you know he, he was he was exactly what we wanted to see out of him. So you were very quick to jump on the socials um, shortly after that game, highlighting just how small and subtle, but how quick a difference he'd made in respect of the Dom Young try. Um, do you want to talk us a bit through that? Yeah, so the tweet was basically a screenshot of as he was throwing the pass towards Dom. And all I pointed out was the fact that it was perfectly set up. Hey, as as a Knights fan, we want it to be played out. So Brabham Best is running the decoy. Two defenders are drawn to him because you you need two defenders or he's going to run over you. KP's out the back and the rest of the guys in the line have got their eyes under KP. And Clune just sees that, oh, hang on a second. The wingers in field looking for KP around the back. Dom's in acres of space. And he threw what was, you know, a fairly simple pass and you'd expect you're a good under 16 to throw it. But we never threw used to throw that pass last year. Last year, that play, Mitchell Pierce would think, well, this is either a crash ball to Bradman and Bradman will get cleaned up by the two guys lining him up or you give it out the back to KP and the entire defensive line's watching him. You know, it was just a simple little play, but that's all we need out of clean. And, yeah, if you go back and look at the tweet on the uh, Twitter feed at Bay53, um, yeah, he'll um, you'll see you'll see the screenshot and how much space Dom was in and how easy the play was, and we, that play is always available because Bradman Best is always going to attract defenders. You are listening to the Bay Fifty Three podcast. Do you think I'm drawing a long bow by um, bringing Joey's influence in on that? Oh, no, that's, no, that's one hundred percent. That, that's that's Joey because. Every time in commentary last year, Joey said, I can't believe how they use Brabham. I can't believe how they, how they use KP. And that's the exact influence. Because it's not necessarily about giving those guys the ball all the time. It's about using those guys to attract defenders and giving other guys the ball. Well, one of the things that Joey was always great at on those edges was simultaneously making the space and then using the space. And, that, and that's why... I mean, that's why I sort of just saw his his fingerprints over it a little bit because, as you've said, Ponga and Best create that space and it was up to Clune to, you know, first of all, look for it and then utilise it. And th- that's just something that, Andrew, you, you, you wouldn't be surprised if in the background he was saying to Clune, look, the, just be mindful of X, Y, Z when we're running down this side because these are the options that you have. Oh, I guarantee you Joey's cut up 100 images to Clune and said, this is how it's going to look, and this is where the space is going to be, and this is the pass of the throw. Because if you remember last year, we've already talked about Sam Walker, but Sam Walker threw oh, at least half a dozen, maybe a dozen passes like that for tries last year, little floaters over the top, and people were waxing lyrical. And it was the exact same play. Mm. The centre would draw the attention, Tedesco would be out the back, and Sam Walker, just with his natural talent, would go, oh, the wing is open, I'm going to throw it over the top, and he's going to walk in. And people, you know, oh, you know, Sam Walker, genius, just has eyes for the game. And it's, yeah. And because Clune's not Sam Walker and he hasn't got the reputation, people sort of fluff it off as it's just an easy play. But it's not. It's not easy to see that space in real time when the defenders are rushing up out of the line and then execute the soft the soft play over the winger. A lot of guys would have fluffed that and thrown it over his head, thrown it low, got intercepted. You know, there's a lot of options there, but he took the best one and we scored. 
Um, I thought Clifford scored a very, very impressive try. Like it's sort of, uh, it wasn't flashy, but again, and I, I'm not saying that this was Joey taught, but it, it sort of took like you, you diminutive, you diminutive half pairing barging through and crashing over the line. I, I, I thought, um, you know, I thought that was uh, great to be seeing uh, in a trial game. Yeah, no, nah, Cliff, Clifford Demille will have a breakout year this year. He, um, I agree. He he need he needed an off season with the team because it's almost impossible for a half just to plug in, and he did that. And he did a really abnormal job. But you could see that we run our plays a lot different to the way he was used to with the Cowboys. So he didn't quite um, sort of you know connect with his outside runners as we'd hoped. And that try was just an individual play. But it, to me, it just showed a bit of confidence. You know, he just tucked the ball under the arm, threw the dummy, found the space, and got his way over. I um I want to talk a little bit about the forwards as well because there's two forwards in particular that sort of jumped out at me, um, all three really. But um, uh, it was funny to see Clem David Clemmer so fired up for a trial game. What's your oh, take on that? I think he's filthy that he didn't start last year. Yeah. You, and I think you, it's filthy the fact he probably won't start this year, and he might say to Adam Brian, "You're not getting a choice here, mate. Like I'm, I'm going to go back to being the pack leader here, mate." And that's how he looked in in the first trial. So we um we we got uh we got a little bit of uh, whispering in the background that there was some unrest with uh, Clem over the off season. I mean the, the word that the word that was sort of thrown around was outer. He was he was on the outer. I don't think he played like a player who was on the outer on Monday night, or I think he played like a player who was determined to prove a point, but certainly not from the outer, certainly more no, to consolidate. No, he, he, got, he, got, he played like a guy that got tied by his coach. You're on the bench now, mate. What are you going to do about it? Yes. And that's what you want. And that's how long have we been saying that as Knights fans for you know the last two decades? We want competition for places. Our problem as, as, as an organisation has always been complacence where making the 17, not even making the starting line, but making the 17, that's when you think you've made it. And so we want players in there who are hungry for more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and all that do, is going to do is gonna, he's going to lift the level of the Twins now because the Twins are going to have to say, well, if Clem's playing like that, we're going to have to play better if we want to start over him. Like, that's exactly how good teams get good. Uh, it, it, it's... You get the feeling that there is some competition for places in that front row. Um, Max McKinney, who's uh, writing for the Newcastle Herald now, uh, I'm sort of assuming, I'm making a bit of an assumption he might be um, Barry Tui 2.0. He wrote in the Herald today that Dan Saifidi bypassed the captaincy because he wanted to focus on being the best front rower in the club. He, He wanted to focus on taking his... So... You could sort of look at that in terms of, oh, well, maybe he doesn't like the weight of the captaincy. Or maybe you could look at it as in, well, those three front rowers, they know that that, that, that those starting positions or their place in the team, you've got to be at your peak now to maintain it. Yeah, that's exactly how I would take that. And Dan's been, been around long enough now and obviously rep experience. Dan knows that this team will go as far as the forward pack can take them. That's our strength, and I think Dan's recognised that, and Dan knows that him, his brother, and Clem can have a real big part on driving this team towards the top, towards the finals, and hopefully the top four. Well, that sort of sounds a bit like self-belief in respect of maybe this team won't go as far as the forwards, but maybe this team is capable of going as far as they want as they want to allow themselves to go. 
Maybe that's oh, some self-belief starting to we, creep in. The, the sky's the limit in terms of where this team can go. There's so much up in the air about where the ceiling is for players. Like, no one knows where Dan Safidi's limit is. Mm. He's, you know, he's still two or three years away from his peak as a prop forward. Jacob has been so cruel with injuries that he hasn't even got to the level Dan's got yet. And I've got no doubt Jacob can get to that level. As much as Clem, everyone thinks Clem's an old bloke, Clem's only just getting to prime age now. You throw that in with, you know, what we've got coming through in the lower grades. We've got some really, really outstanding young props in the lower grades, you know, Matt Croker being one of them. It's it's a real strength of this club, and I really do think that that's going to drive forward just, just the pack itself, but also the entire club because, yeah, the rest of the team and are going to need to come forward with them or they're going to get left behind. It's not just the front rowers, though, who are making up those forwards. Um, I want to talk about one of the more maligned characters uh, in the Knights' top 30. And you text me during the game at one point, uh, Kurt Mann. Now, um, we sort of had a bit of a lengthy discussion about Kurt uh, after our finals loss last year. And we sort of talked about, well, what do you do with a guy like Kurt Mann? And I'll never forget this because one of the things you said is that he looks like it, it's such a shame that he looks so lost defending in centres because that contact that he makes when he when he that first contact on players is just it, it's immaculate. Like it's it's he's got such a good defensive technique about him that if he can just get that proper read, you know, he's he's he'd be an elite defender. And you texted me during uh, Monday night's trial after he put on a great hit, and you just went that that contact. And that was that was what I felt like that was what you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Kurt's technique is outstanding for a guy his size, but he does struggle to read. And there's no play, harder place to defend in rugby league than the centres. And Kurt struggled to read to read out there. And his lack of speed hurt him a bit at times. But if he can he can stand in the middle at his size and he can chop down those big blokes, that is not an issue for him. Guys running straight at him, he will chop them down. And then going the other way, he's far too fi- uh, fast and agile for them. I'm really excited about Kurt at 13. So, so can I just take a step back, Bredo? Because this is this is actually the kind of technical stuff that I wanted to do this pod with you. So, I actually want to take a uh, go back a little bit um, in respect of you, you. You made a comment as to the center defensive role is one of the harder talk me through that what what makes uh defending at center so hard uh in 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 rugby league Where, where's that come from so that's it's because the, the way a modern attack is designed is to create space on the edges creating space on the edges is how teams attack so in that center position you've got to Obviously, see where your man is, know where he's coming from. You've got to see where the fullback is coming around the back. There's a half there to worry about. Plus, you're going to have 120 kilo back rower mingling around there somewhere. And you've got to see where all those blokes are, communicate with the guy inside you, your own back row. You've got to communicate with the guy on your outside, your winger, and hopefully it's not the last tackle where the winger's back because then you've got to cover the sideline as well. And you've got to do all that and make a tackle. So if you're not 100% confident in your role and done that all your life and know exactly what you're doing, that's a lot of thoughts going through your head when at the end of the day you just want to be able to tackle someone. And 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 so the other thing about a, a centre is that is that for the winger, you're like, well, I'm last line of defence. Whatever's left over, that's all I'm going to go. And that, that decision will be based off the back of what your centre pair will will do. And what they do is crucial to what's left over in terms of whether or not you're going to defend the attack coming your way. 
Yes, so the winger always gets blamed for coming in, and they do. They come in unnecessarily at times. And I'll take I'll take it back to when Gags played in the wing for us. People say to us, well, "Why does he charge in on the off our off his wing with us if he doesn't do it for Queensland?" There's a really simple reason for that. He trusts his inside man. He knows his inside man will read the right play and make the tackle. He didn't have that trust with us. So he would try to do it himself and come in to make the tackle, and teams were good enough to see him come in and throw it over his head. Edric Lee does the same thing, but Ed, but Edric's sort of, you know, six foot 25 <laughs> and, and can cut the pass off or he can get his hand out and stop it. Generally, if the winger's caught infield, it's the center's fault, not the winger. So... With, with all of that in mind then, and that sort of puts a bit more context into maybe some of the struggles that Kurt was having, uh, you know, as a stopgap centre for us last year. Well, he doesn't have that problem anymore. He can go back to his the workhorse, you know, do your 50 tackles a game, you know, fill that role in the middle, effort over, um, you know, deciphering attacking plays out on the edge. Suddenly he can be better utilised. Absolutely. And the other thing I forgot to mention with the, Kurt in the centre is like when I mentioned his lack of speed, some centers can recover because they're just fast enough. You know, they can they can worry about two or three guys knowing that if that guy out there gets the ball, I'll just run him down. Kurt can't do that because Kurt's not fast enough. In the middle, Kurt's got guys coming out at him. You know, there's a guy running into a bit of space next to him. Kurt knows that he's faster than that guy most probably. So he can give that guy half a yard of yes. space. And if he yes. has to then move late and get him, he'll get him. It's so much easier to see guys running at you. The little tip on pass won't hurt him because, as I said, he's speeding his footwork and his agility around the ruck will be able to you know, take that half a step and get the next guy along. It's so much easier. And as I said, it's not just in defence. All the opposite will be the case in attack. He's so, going to be running at guys that aren't as agile as him, aren't as nimble, aren't as fast. And they're going to be a lot tighter than him because they're carrying 30 extra kilos and he's going to have a field day. So... It's funny, like what a drastic change a small positional move can make for someone like Kurt. Because whereas that half a yard of pace was a loss of pace was a massive disadvantage for him out of the edge. Well, he's moving in the centre now, and he's got the physique and technique to man up in the forwards. But he's suddenly a half a yard faster than the opponents that he's supposed to be um, taking care of. Correct, and all the things we'd on him about when he's playing at six that his ball skills weren't quite good enough. Now he's playing at lock. He's got outstanding he doesn't have to, ball skills. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about that as much. You know, his, uh, skill, his skills at lock forward are, you know, elite. One um, of the, you know, he's not Victor Radley, but he certainly, you know, he'd be in that next tier. Um, yeah. It, it's such a good positional switch for him. And obviously the size was the issue, but the way the rules are now, you know, I think it's going to get to the point where um, lock forwards are going to be all 100, no, 105 kilos. We, you and I tweeted um, during the week that we, we do think Kurt's going to have a breakout year um, and Kurt, man, is the reason that the Knights didn't panic when we weren't able to retain Connor Watson. Yeah, we always said we didn't need both of them in the squad and we all, you know, at the end of the day, probably wanted to keep Connor. Mm. But um, it's, it's interesting, you know, Connor won't, uh, Kurt won't carve up like Connor can and Kurt won't put on a try like Connor Kemmer, he gets in a dummy half and he brings guys onto the ball and gets got Kurt won't do none of that. But Kurt also won't blow it one-on-one with the fullback 25 times <laughs> like Connor did, you know, so it swings it around about. And look, we do wish Connor all the best with the like, he's I know, I don't wish him all the best. I, I, I hope we beat him 40 and nil and, and KP stomps on his face in round. <laughs> Connor, if you're listening, um, please don't hate us. Um, oh no, I love you, Connor. You're a Camille Roy man like myself. Love you, brother, but... Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I did want to give one other mention to one of our other four. I thought Jaira Mamasia uh, showed some real potential. And and we've seen potential for him for a while now, but he was one of those players we've spoken about who got crueled a bit by uh, COVID in respect of his personal development. Um, after he dropped the ball off his first handle, I thought he, he really showed that you know, he was ma- he's meant for first grade. Yeah, he looked rusty in terms of his hands. He made he made a few errors of the ball, but yeah, he, he's a Rolls Royce. He's a Rolls Royce, mate. He um, he's got outstanding footwork. He's got excellent skills with his hands. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about Jara. He's he's two years behind his development because of the the COVID situation and not playing any cup. So it's, it's, it's really hurt him more than anyone really. But um, no, he's he's outstanding, Jara, and I see him as being you know on our edge. Because I I think Adam O'Brien wants him to be an edge, and I, I think that he, I see him on our edge for the next ten years. Uh, just quickly, uh, while I'm thinking about it, Clemmer, uh, I, I know he wants to. Um, I know he wants to put his hand up as that uh, brutal enforcer. I tell you what, he's not doing himself any good with those pop-up try assists that he uh, that he landed on Monday night. Where, where did he, where did that come from? <laughs> I didn't know Clem could pass. <laughs> I genuinely didn't know he had anything more than a flop out of the back pass in him. I yeah, like to, it's just a shame he pulled it out in the trials and now teams will be waiting for it. He should have, could have pulled it out in round one. I like to think that the Knights have developed him into that arty beats and ball-playing front rower that we know he can be because he went from that barging front rower who never released the ball to doing nothing but offloading last year, and now it looks like he wants to take his ball-playing skills to the next level of being that third option in attack for the um, the pop-up inside ball that breaks the line. <laughs> I mean, the reality is, but the way the rules keep evolving, like you've got to be, you've got to be able to keep changing your game, because Clemmer yeah. of two years ago would not be effective at all under the modern rules. Yeah, he had true. to change, and it looks like he has, and hopefully he has. Uh, we'll finish off um, our chat about the trial on a somewhat somber note. Uh, Hayden Knowles, unfortunately, has not brought that uh, magic wand immediate change in our injury fortunes. Uh, Heimel Hunt out for up to eight weeks. And uh, young Bailey Hodgson played 10 minutes out for up to eight weeks himself with a broken elbow. Yeah, ba- Bailey um, can't get any luck, can he? You know, between COVID and just niggling injuries all the time and he makes he can't get a run of games. And um, But hopefully, you know, after a few, few weeks, he, he comes back into the squad training and, and hits the ground running again and then, you know, gets a good run of games in cup. Um, Heimel worries me. Heimel, Heimel, that really hurts us, I think. Heimel's our best... Yardage guy coming out of our own end. Um, yeah, the, the Heimer one, I think, is going to hurt, especially with that tough run we've got early. Teams like the Roots and that, you, you need to be able to come out of your end or well, they're going to monster you. There's, I've got a few questions out of that, Bretto. Uh, I'll start with the um, I'll start with the easy one. And our um, one of our better friends, uh, not LV05 on, on Twitter, he'll appreciate this But he's uh, not LV. He's definitely not LV. No, 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 no. no. LV, LV on TikTok, Twitter and we'll never be back. No, no idea what happened to that guy. Um, yeah. Does this bring um, Edric into the picture? Oh, I, I would pick Edric. I, I, I don't know where, where Edric is, to be honest with you. We have people asking about where Edric is. Mm. I don't know whether he's, he's, you know, they're not quite confident he's ready to play yet. And it's just, you know, softly, softly. Um, I'm not sure where Edric's at, but I, like, I would pick Edric as soon as I thought he was ready. He, um, There's a reason why we win 60% of games with Edric, because he's just outstanding to bring the ball out of our own end, and it's our biggest weakness. Can you play Dom and Edric in the same team? They're both left wingers. Um, no, I don't think so. I, th- me personally, 
I would have Heimel and Nari as the right wingers as yep. as the two options, and Edric and Dom as the left wingers would be my preference. But obviously, Nari and Heimel can both play either side. But I think that's that would be our best our best option there. So if uh, Heimel's injured and Edric's in the frame, then your wingers are Anari uh, and Edric. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm, I love Dom, and I think, actually think Dom will get picked for round one. But I would, I would really love to see Dom have six months of cut. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just, just run a muck. Just run a muck. Fill himself with the confidence. Get over the, you know, because he still snatches at plays, and you can still see, he's not quite sure about himself at that level of rugby league. And that's just because he's inexperienced. And I'd just love to see, yeah, see him just absolutely annihilate some guys in cup and and hit the ground running. And, you know, I'm not saying not play first grade. I'm saying, you know, just, yeah, play when needed and then hopefully his confidence will sky high. Then he can come into the team and it's his spot for as long as he wants it. Just before we close out on the trial, uh, Brett, I want to ask another question about Bailey Hodgson. Um, This is his last year in the top, like, uh, under contract with us. Where are we at with Bailey? Are we – it's obviously a project that has the potential to continue on. Is the club going to re-sign him? Oh, I'd be be devastated the club didn't re-sign him. Um, and I think I think Bailey will stay. I don't, you know, we, his family are all sort of here now with him. I I I I think that the club have great confidence in him. And Barry Tui said so himself. You know, his insiders have said that the club hold out great hopes for Bailey. And um, yeah, we, obviously we've got KP, and, and we all think KP will go to six eventually, and Bailey will go to one. But yeah, I, I think that signing Bailey will be priority for the club this year. Uh, we're playing the storm in our second um, in our second trial. You know, we got through the first uh, trial, played a played our full seventeen for the first half. Um, we finished sixteen all. I thought the the sort of second stringers, for lack of a better phrase, held themselves up well. Uh, overall, happy with the outcome of um, the Bulldogs trial game? Yeah, mate, really, really happy. And I'll, I'll shout out to the, to those guys, those young guys that played the second half. They had no ball, mate, and they just tackled their backsides off. And that's what we want to see out of this club. We want to see where every guy that steps into into, an, into any red and blue jersey gives it everything. And those guys just tackled themselves to a standstill. Mate, I was really, really impressed with them. Mate, who was the giant number thirty-one out on our right wing in the second half? My God, he was. He it looked like they'd sort of um, forgotten to fill a wing spot and just said to one of the front rowers, "Can you fill in oh, there?" Oh yeah, I do. Know. I, I can't even think off the top of my head, but I, I do know what you're talking about. I do remember catching my eye like the size. of... The size of him uh, that did trigger me in my memory. Actually, they mentioned Leo Thompson. I oh yeah for sure. No, he um yeah he which I think he was in Jersey thirty three was he? He's mm. in thirty something and um yeah. We'll no, do he, some research during the break. <laughs> he's a he's a likely customer. He's he's a big unit and man he has got some skills. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Uh, we go to great lengths to let all of our listeners know each and every episode, and we do need to start doing it uh, earlier in the uh, in each episode. We are very, very proudly and happily sponsored by A Plus Contracting and Polywelding. 
who are also one of the um, major sponsors for the Newcastle Knights. And we were very, very lucky enough. Unfortunately, only one, only one of us could draw the short straw, but uh, one of us was uh, invited to the season launch on Monday night with uh, Managing Director Andrew Hughes. Hughesy, what a what a legend! Um, he's a good guy. He he's, he's yeah. He's a genuinely good bloke. Before before the, the the sponsorship come on board, in fact, the fact that he's such an approachable person is one of the reasons we were comfortable for two idiots with no broadcasting experience to say, "Hey, can you can you give us some sponsorship to this to make it happen?" Yeah, and the fact that you know he um he doesn't just give to the top level rugby league; he's all the way through to the bottom. You know, it's he. he his money filters from the Knights all the way down to local league. He, um, yeah, he, he's he's a real asset to Newcastle Rugby League and the Knights. Uh, he's a very big um, backer as well of the Westpac helicopter as well, and 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 what they do. So, um, so yeah, we 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 really are honoured to have him on board. So, um, we had an opportunity to. I had an opportunity. Sorry to. Um, yeah, but yeah, you had an opportunity. Let's, let's, sorry. Let's, let's, <laughs> uh, we'll see if we can. Uh, we'll see if we can line. Uh, switch you up for for the next big event. Um, it was a, it was a it was an interesting uh, sort of event to uh, to go to. So, so was had, it going on while the game was going on? Yeah. So they had the tent up at the hockey field end of the stadium, and uh, I noticed on the replay that you know you could see it obviously as the camp yeah. camera was panning back and forth during the game, and um, yeah, it was an open air sort of um, event that uh, kicked off at at five o'clock, uh, while the um, while the juniors game was going on beforehand. Yeah, right. Because I think when uh, the captaincy stuff was announced, KP was fully kitted out. So I assumed it was must have been around. Yeah, kick off for the NRL. So, yes. so let's let's get straight onto it. Um, that, that was that, those were the two big announcements on um, on Monday night. Was that uh, the captains for the Newcastle Knights for uh, for twenty twenty two, or the on field captains? Sorry, will be Kalen uh, Kalen for the men and uh, Romy for the uh, for the women's team. Yeah, both fullbacks, both star talents that we have taken from North Queensland. Um, <laughs> loving it. Um, as you said, the K- the the Kalen announcement was a funny one. So he just finished playing forty minutes of uh, of footy where he'd gotten belted belted around at both ends of the ground, and he just sort of ran up into the tent and and quickly sort of said a few words. Um, and I tell you, mate, the words that he said very very. Uh, 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 believably <laughs> to everybody there was that he is honoured to lead this men. He is proud to be a captain of the Newcastle Knights and he wants to win. Yeah. I, I never, ever, ever give any credence to anyone that says the KP doesn't care. Oh, me no, and that, no, me and no, that guy cares. No, he's, he's a winner. He's just, everything he's done his whole life, he's won it. Yeah. He is just a winner. And, um, and I'll never forget an article when it first was talked about his young brother, I think it was, who had who'd tragically drowned um, quite a while ago. And KP going, I'm living his life for him. You know, all the talents that I've got, all the luck that I have, all the things I can do for my family are in my brother's honour. And I went, yeah, that guy cares. He cares to, to a level we can't even contemplate. Yeah. he um, He's actually a very eloquent speaker like he's a very well-spoken which is young strange because he because he has he has their reputation of being very uh not media savvy unlike a guy like cleary or cherry evans but it's just that he's so comfortable 
in front of the camera that he, he yeah he, he just he just talks off the cuff he doesn't need to talk like a robot and uh, yeah. yeah i love it personally it, i think if anything it's actually that eloquence i think he might have been i think he might have been a bit embarrassed about that at one point and i mean this may sound like i'm sort of trying to you know cover it up for him but in a lot of ways i think that embarrassment might have been a bit behind the strawberry thick shake comment i think yeah. He sort of, he just, he really was so determined to play it down at the time and he didn't want to come across as sort of arrogant or dismissive. I think he sort of overcompensated for that a bit by sort of saying, oh, well, you know, I'm, I was pretty chill about it. And it just, it was just, he, I think he's learned from that. Well, whatever the reason was for that, I think he's actually learned when it comes to the media, the best thing I can do is to be myself about it because that's where he's had his most successful. Yeah, and the, he knows now the media are going to spin what he says, no matter how he says it, what he says. He just he's he really has learnt, and it's been really evident in the last six to twelve months that he just says his truth. He said, you know, he he says what he wants to say, and he won't say a word more. And the media will say what the media say. He um yeah, he's, he really has stopped caring about that stuff, which is got to be great for him personally and for his mental health. So you and I, like you and I, said from day one, you know, when Buzz broke the Buzz broke the story in the Daily Telegraph, he's the best player in the club. Yes, he's the highest paid player at the club, and with that comes the responsibility. He's he is the absolute right candidate for uh, captaining the Newcastle Knights in twenty twenty two. He's the he's the leader. He he's the leader in every play you see on the field. He's the leader. He leads the team around the park from the back. He, uh, you know, he's always the first in to congratulate a teammate. He's the first in to you know, get in someone's ear to um, to lift the bloke's head if they made a mistake. He's the leader on that field. He's the best player. He's the leader. He has to be the captain. He he does it to his own detriment as well. He was the first one to con- congratulate Adam Clune on that try assist, yeah, and yeah, uh, exactly. he got belted in the head for it. <laughs> so, um, by the way, I, got- I love that little thing where the last person did the. Um, celebration gets fine. That's oh fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of so. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on this year, and I'll, we'll start, we'll certainly point out who's who's challenging that stakes and who's, who's losing all their money. So I'm a generally anxious person at the best of time, and I know what's going to be happening. Like I'll be I'll be monitoring that throughout the season, and I'll be starting to get anxious for whoever is consistently the last person because I'll just be thinking of the fines that are starting to pile up in the background for. I them actually eating. find it interesting because we obviously score the majority of our points on the left. So Heimel on the right wing's got a severe. <laughs> He's very, he's, he's really got to get on his skates early. You'd sort of hope that they've got it on a, like the fines are scaled in respect of yeah. where you are positionally to where yeah. the try is scored. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, you know, he, he's, he's got a 40 metre, you know, handicap to the, to the, uh, to the left centre, Bradman Best, most tries. So, um, mm. yeah, that's got to be taken into account, surely. One thing I did notice, so the the good thing about being in the marquee, and I know we're jumping back to the trial a little bit, so we, we won't talk about this for too long, Was, but you could sort of see from behind the play um, after tries were scored, they were grouping together in that huddle. And I mean, like you could sort of say, well, is that a bit of overkill for a trial? Or is that something that they're actively trying to put in place to create that com- that camaraderie in the players? Because it, it no, feels I like... Think, it, I think Mitchell feels- Pierce leaving has changed the entire dynamic of the playing squad. And I don't th- put that as, as a put down to Mitchell. I think that Mitchell is such a big personality and such a huge reputation that the club was very much an extension of Mitchell and Mitchell's personality. And I think now it's not. I think Kalen is a... And he will do this as captain. And Jaden Braley as club captain and pre- the previous on-field captain has has sort of been a big part of this too. The players really do seem to express themselves and share things amongst themselves a lot more than they did previously. 
The huddle definitely did feel like a, a, a sort of Kalen idea. I don't, I don't know whether it is or not, but um, it certainly did some, feel like something that as captain, he was like, this is something I'd really like us to do to show that, yeah, um, and, that and unity. Yeah, Bra- and Brails to me is, is very similar. Brails is very, you know, I remember um, might have been, might have, might have even been his first game for the club because um, obviously he didn't play many games in his first year, only the two. But he so something had happened, and um, one of the guys had, had made a mistake, and he he grabbed about three or four of them, and he just grabbed him by the jersey and dragged him over the guy and said, "No, come and shake his head, you know, come and come and lift him up." And I so I really think that you know the huddle thing and the lifting each other up and and sort of talking through the talking through the uh, the whole dynamic. As a squad is uh, yeah a big part of his his uh, attitude too. Um, breaking news as well while we're doing this, uh, James Tamo's been given a one match ban for his uh, taking the legs out. On oh, the that, that, that's that, that's ridiculous. Who cares? Like we play him around too. You know, I'd prefer him play because he's useless. Um, <laughs> but but that's uh, but that's ridiculous. Like he could have quite easily broke Sam Walker's legs with that tackle. It does seem a little bit lenient. And if he did break Sam Walker's legs, people would want him you know, kicked out of the game because he's broken a young star's legs. And it's pure luck that he didn't. So this is a massive change, and obviously that you and I haven't planned on. But I'm, I'm sort of happy to have this discussion with you. Though. I, I, but I, I'm one of the people that think the, the injury should play the part in the punishment. So I think the fact that Sam Walker didn't get injured, I think is enough to say, look, we're only giving you a one-week ban in this one. You're lucky, though, because if there had been injury, you're looking at five or six weeks. See, I, 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 I don't disagree. I'm not anti the injury being part, but yeah. I think there's a baseline. Yes. And then okay. If you really hurt someone, then that then time gets added on. Yeah. So I think that's about a three week baseline for doing something so dangerous. Yes. yes. And then if Sam Walker did break his leg, he should have got twelve. Because the the um the comparison I was going to sort of use was um that's why we have varying that's why criminal ju- the criminal justice system has varying levels of um of you know you might do the same action but the result will do will then determine what level you get punished oh yeah at. absolutely and that and that's i agree totally i just think the scale of the fact that he only got one week because he didn't get hurt is yeah. ridiculous that's that's a really dangerous play and it should be a three-week kicking off point minimum yeah and then scaling up from there uh we are sort of going a fair bit off topic and i said but um uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 in complete agreement with that, mate. Uh, as you said, it's it's the year of the uh, star fullback captains. We are we're we're under the uh, inaugural regime of uh, Captain Romy of the NRLW Knights. Uh, good call, bad call. Oh, I, you've got to go with the club on that. They um you know they're around the girls. It's, it was a surprise. I was expecting you know um, Caitlin or one of the Kiwi uh, Kiwi Fern girls. To get the, to get the job, but um, no, um, obviously the the club rated highly, and she was the uh, BHP Women's Premiership Player of the Year last year in Queensland. She's obviously an outstanding player, and and she's still quite young. So the club obviously see her as a big future long term for the club. So get her in, get her in the role. She might be captain for the next ten years, hopefully. Romy expressed her surprise as well, and she literally used exactly the same reasons as you you did. She said, "I, I was surprised when." Um, uh, Coach Bromelo uh, gave her the news. She said you'd absolutely expected Caitlin to be given the role um, or Crystal Rota. Uh, they were given the uh, honour of club captains alongside uh, Romy. But I think, I think again, it's a case of your best player is given the captaincy. And uh, by all reports, Romy is um, in for a star, a star season. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think there's a bit in the fact that, like Kaylin, she's the fullback. I think that the club really sees the fullback as the as the key member of the squad these days because they see the entire field. 
mm. um, yeah, I, I really do think there's something in the fact that she's she plays fullback. The coaches spoke very well at the at the at the launch. Uh, Casey Bromelow, in particular, he, he's he's sort of a very uh, understated character, but he's he's a very strong speaker. The similarities, though, that he had with Adam O'Brien, both of them talked a lot about uh, that sort of um, personality of the players involved. They really wanted to create a culture of players that sort of play for one another but take personal responsibility. And that sort of ties a lot into what we what we were just talking about before is such a positive trait of the um, all-conquering Penrith Panthers team. Yeah, you're absolutely you're absolutely right there. The um, yeah, I, I, I and I, I'm I'm really encouraged by we've taken that Penrith approach of it's an entire club approach to everything, mm. from playing style to culture to recruitment. It you know it's an entire club, um, yeah, attitude to that, and the coaches are a reflection of that, which is exactly how it needs to be. You need to be, to be able to sort of. Um, change roles within the organization and nothing changes and um it's a, it's been a real key to melbourne success as well um yeah no um it's it's a, it's a real positive for the Knights issue even down to the extent as you said about because that's the perfect transition into the, the next thing i want to talk about um adam o'brien just he told the group on monday says i won't be coaching tonight he says we we want to give rory cost jason the um the clipboard um we want to see if the club is prepared in any unfortunate event that I'm unavailable. And yeah, it's, as you said, it's about a whole club mentality to make sure that the, the 17 players for the men's and the women's teams that take the field, that they are always given the best opportunity to win. Absolutely. And at any time, it's always you know, a possibility of the coach, you know, maybe unwell or something may happen in a family incident where the coach can't, be there on match day, but during COVID times, you know, it's more likely than not that at some stage this year, Adam O'Brien won't be able to be in the coach's box. Correct. You can't have no no one within the, without an experience in that position. Like a lot of clubs are lucky they've got an ex first grade coach on the squad or uh, on the coaching staff or something like that. We did we didn't have that, so gave Rory the opportunity. And Rory's been with the club for quite a few years now, so he understands the uh, the role of of the coach and I'm you know he's obviously seen Adam operate for you know two years in an off season now um yeah it's just it's just smart business Newcastle are the premiers I um Adam O'Brien being out of the coach's box gave him an opportunity to sit up where the captain's lounge is um, in the comfort of an empty stadium with uh, the great Andrew Johns. And the greatest photo ever of him and Andrew sitting there oh. with Garth Brennan as well, but my word, did that get the juices flowing? I was uh, I was nudging the uh, I was nudging the ribs of our uh, of our good friend uh, friend Andrew Hughes, and I was saying, "Come on, are they getting any sponsors up there?" That was and it was an absolute no go zone. There was I think they made sure that that entire level of the stadium was cleared so that uh, Andrew and Adam could just uh, sit. And I, there was a third. I wasn't. Sure, I'm not sure who the third person was there. Yeah, Garth Brennan. Oh, that was it. Was Garth? Was it right? So yeah, I, yeah. I think they wanted to make sure that those three head honchos were given all the comfort in the world they could to just watch on and take it, take in the team's performance. Yeah, um, they the, the the camera of the the game, you know, cut it cut away to them a couple of times, and you could see, you know, Joey gesticulating stuff to Adam and and whatnot. And um, yeah, 
it it really fills you with confidence seeing the great man there, you know, and the head coach in each other's ears just talking about football. Mate, I, I, I get that Andrew's been coaching in the halves for other clubs today, but, I mean, how do you reckon he's going to go coaching the Knights? It's whatever he's done at other clubs, this is going to be entirely different for him this season, just in terms of that history and his name when he's associated with um, with the team. Yeah. It, it, I, I had concerns previously with Andrew coming back to the club in the sense that he's so passionate about everything he does, especially anything football-related, but, you know, just everything in life, really. Surfing, family, that's Andrew. Um, I was worried that... The, the, that passion thrown in with the fact that he loves the Knights with everything he has might boil over. He may not handle working back at the club. And it may but not no, work everything with coming out of anything I've seen. He just loves being back, yeah. you know, with the Knights polo on and uh, and talking football with, you know, guys wearing blue jerseys. I was surprised to see him there. So he had a talking engagement uh, with uh, the Goannas on uh, Friday night. So I actually was surprised that he was at the game on Monday night because I thought, well, if if he's coming up to if he's coming up here from Sydney on the Friday night, like that means he's if if he's going to go to the game on Monday, he's going to stay the weekend. And I just thought, oh, that's that's probably a bit of a stretch, you know, four days uh, away from family up in Newcastle. But no, I was I was I think it was probably more a show of his uh, enthusiasm and commitment to the cause that he was there with the coach to watch the game on Monday. Oh, he's been around way more than I expected him to. I thought he'd be up up here once or twice, you know. Yeah. A fortnight maybe even, you know, just at training for a few hours and, and working with the halves and, you know, get on the phone and get on Skype and stuff and, and talk through stuff. But he's always at training. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's no, he's a genuine member of the coaching staff. He's not a consultant. Uh, he's not um, – No, he's, he's not an assistant coach. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, – and and as we've already sort of said, you could see some of his fingerprints, you know, on the on some of the plays and the and some of the movements of the halves. Um, so he's classic um, classic Andrew John style. He's he's a hundred percent in. He he knows no other way. He knows no other way. Um, yeah, obviously people are sort of questioned his um, his success being a half coach in other places, but he turned Mitchell Moses into a legitimate rep level half, like. He's already got the runs on the board. And look, he, you know, he spent five years at the Roosters uh, sort of working with Mitchell Pearce and he got given the um, the gold the gold um, key when it came to Cooper Cronk. And he said, Cooper, I've given you everything. All the best with the rest of the season. They went and won uh, back-to-back premierships. Yeah. Mate, um, I was really impressed with our CEO as well, Uncle Phil. Uh, sorry, um, Phil Gardner who um, gave his address uh, at the season launch. And, um, yeah, Uncle Phil, is uh, he's excited about the season. He was sort of ca- just calmly wandering around and, and saying hello to all the sponsors and, um, you know, thanking everyone for coming. And uh, he's he's backing the coach. He's backing the team. He's backing Wests. He's backing the sponsors. Um, they're they're, they're um, building for success in 2022. Phil is a, is a man that thrives on success. He does not cop losing. And whether it's business or sport, he does not cop it. And as much as I, I really think that Phil loved Nathan Brown, Nathan Brown's a very Phil kind of guy. He uh, very details-oriented, like Phil, you know, very, very, very 
Field kind of guy, and I think that really hurt Field to have to sack Nathan. Yes. But Field does not want to lose, and he could not see success with Nathan long term. And um, yeah, it's got to the point now where I think the West board and the West members are comfortable that West aren't going to ruin themselves financially by owning the Knights. So they've they've opened the purse strings, and Field's just gone to town, hasn't he? They have sort of got that corporate element firing on on i don't know if it's all cylinders yet I, I still don't know i still don't know if the newcastle knights as a club yet knows what its ceiling is in terms of its corporate potential because we've never been run as a as a club that sort of relied heavily on that we've always been run as a, a football club that took as that, that, you know you took in as much money as it can so i don't know what the ceiling is in terms of the corporate potential of this club is but i will say is that the knights nib partnership is a very it's a strong one and the knights are fully on board in terms of with what nib want to do with the club with the way they want to run their sponsorship you know they can have the green logo as big as they want as far as uh, the club is concerned because nib have said we ha- we are backing our commitment with the newcastle knights yeah and you know they're a multinational corporation based in the Hunter. Like it's, it's what we've always wanted. We we all complain that the Knights, you know, had their backsides hanging out of their trousers while we had these multinational mining companies and stuff, not putting any money into the local sporting team. If NIB gone and sponsored, you know, the Auckland Blues in rugby and Richmond in the AFL like they have, and didn't give the Knights money, we'd all be blowing up. We can't then blow up because uh, NIB want to get value for their money. Can you? Um, no, I'm. You know, I'm, 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 as I've stated many times, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the big green box, but um, yeah, if that, if that's part of the deal, it's just something we've got to live with. Can you imagine if NIB were sponsoring the Roosters instead of us? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and you think Roosters fans would wish they had the green box in their jerseys? Wouldn't give a crap. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, it was, uh, it was really good. It was really good fun launch um, to sort of be at. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a great idea to sort of have it while you could watch a bit of footy. Um, Betsy was there as well. Gids was there. Um, of the players, you had Jack Johns, uh, Mitch Barnett, and yeah, Jaden Braley was there, announced as a club captain as well. So it, it's fairly look. I think it's fairly clear that whatever's happening with the other players in the co- club, the, the the club really does see Jaden as a long term bedrock of, of this team. Yeah, I I think that the club or legitimately thinks that we have three quarters of our spine for the next 10 years. KP, Cliff, and uh, Jaden, this club sees those guys all being 250, 300-game players for the club. As I said, Jack Johns was uh, the Johns clan representative at the at the launch. Would have loved if Andrew had been able to come down and, and poke his nose around. But I, I do get the impression that, uh, that Joey sort of is at that point where he's like, I get enough attention. Um, and I think he was happy to sort of uh, stay in the background. Uh, Jack was doing the numbers draw for sponsors. So he would pick a name out of the box and then the sponsor would go up and pick up their ball um, that they would be the major sponsor for. Oh, for a bit season. like a Melbourne Cup barrier draw. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, A-plus contracting landed number 13 for the season, which I thought oh, was a good get. the famous number 13 jersey. The yeah. famous number 13 jersey. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, look, I, I, I just think bring on the season. I sort of, um, I still maintain that with what the club is putting in place, if, if we can just have, a 
fairer. I don't even want a good run, just a fairer run with injury. I um I still think that the uh, that the thirty the thirty players for the men's team and the twenty three players for the women's team can have uh, successful seasons in twenty twenty two. Oh yeah, no doubt. I, I think that our squads in both the men's and the women's, uh, yeah, are definitely finals teams, and maybe maybe better than that. Um, this talk of the the girls early doors with no signings were going to struggle. I think has been proven wrong. We've got an elite prop, we've got an elite fullback, we've got very good halves. You know, the women are a good team. The men, we, we've talked ad nauseum about their strengths, you know. And I will say to people, you know, if you, if you get the Knights games or even when they sh- show the games on Fox, watch our Cup boys play. There's a lot of very good footballs amongst those kids. Um, yeah, watch those guys as much as you can. If you, if you love your rugby league, you'll see some real good quality football out of those boys too. Well, it's funny what you say about the um, the women's team as well because the the depth is there. Uh, Kira Dib doesn't get a starting spot. She's no, number really, seventeen. Really, on as, the bench. as for get on the pod, as for get on the pod. Correct. I was, um, I was, I was surprised to um, to see the, um, the 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 squad, some of the, the way it was put out. Like I didn't expect um, Autumn to to be playing where she was playing. Like, nope. I sort of thought of more as a centre and a yep. And that sort of stuff, but um, no, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting side. The um, but Kira Dib, yeah, it shows the depth of the side. A, a, a player of her standard, a, a former Origin player coming back from injury. That yeah, she's only made the bench so far. We've got an impressive front row um, for round one. So you've got Caitlin Johnson in eight, Crystal Rodder in nine, and uh, Annette Claudia Nua Asala in uh, ten. That is a that there's size. There's ability, there's aggression in that front row. That's that's a Newcastle front row. Oh, they're going to put the fear of God into some teams, that front row. that That's Butts Chief stuff, those two up front. Yeah, they're going to put the fear of God into some teams. Our men's and women's front rows, uh, yeah, they, they represent this town perfectly. So history continues to repeat itself. We've got a first up home game against the Eels. Um, I would imagine those girls are desperate to get out onto that get out onto that field for that first game. Like it's been, it's just been so long in the making. And as you said, you know we had struggles with squads. Like when's the season going to kick off? Like it's here. The, the the game it's game on. Yeah, absolutely. You know they they lost their season last year. They you know they've had stop start, but they sort of half of them got here. Especially those Kiwi girls got here for last season. Then got told to go home. Um, yeah, they must be just antsy as anything to get out in the field and play some footy. Do you reckon, I mean, it hasn't really been speculation. It's really more just been talk. So during the week, the North Queensland Cowboys said that they want a licence for a women's team. Is that less than ideal for our team going into its first game, for that talk to be coming up, given the number of players that we have that have come from Townsville? Um, No, I don't think in terms of... This season it hurts us because I think those girls all just were looking for an opportunity and they'll try to grasp that with both hands. Mm. But it's certainly going to create a bit of media speculation, especially if, you know girls like Rummy and that really carve up. Um, yeah, the, obviously the media is going to be out saying they're all going to go home, but you can't just expect that. We all thought the Knights girls would come home when we got a team, but they didn't because they're committed and they've played with other other clubs and that's where they see their, their current career at. So you can't just assume that once, yeah, a certain club comes in the comp, all the juniors are going to go home. 
So a, a good friend of ours who we sort of we we actually really enjoy interacting with on uh, on Twitter, and we had the pleasure of going to Magic Round with uh, Princess Han uh, last year. She was the one that first sort of brought the the, the question about the Cowboys fem- uh, women's team to my attention because I I also said to her, I was like, well, why should the Knights be concerned about this? You know, no other no other team was sort of overly concerned about Newcastle-based players leaving the other NRLW teams to come play for us. And she was like, well, this is a little bit different though because, you know, a lot of these players are taking time out of their um, their lives to come to Newcastle for this. Well, they may have employment and playing opportunities up in Townsville if, if the Cowboys were to get a licence. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Like I, I see that, you know, and obviously, the girls based in Sydney, you know, that are Newcastle juniors, you know, it's an hour and a half away. Obviously, Townsville is what two thousand kilometres away. It's a big difference, but that's not what it's about. It's about your comfort at a club. These girls want to be professional footballers. Mm. You play professional football where you feel comfortable, mm, and then we yeah. can show and we can show them we we're building a successful team. That there is employment opportunities here in Newcastle, which there is, and the Knights, I'm sure, are putting a lot of effort into making those girls, you know, um, ha- have a viable future here in Newcastle. If they want to stay. That's you know, that's all part. That's all part of the deal. Unfortunately, at the moment they're only semi-professional, and this is all part of it. Like there's a lot of New South Wales girls and a lot of Kiwi girls that play for the Broncos. You know that everyone thought, oh, once, um, you know, more New South Wales teams or. Um, come into the competition, they'll all move home. Well, Millie Boyle and all that went. No, we were staying in Queensland. That you know, that's this is this is what we do. This is where we play. We've got a successful team here. We're not leaving, and the Knights have got to do that too. There's a lot of women's uh, rugby league on this year. You got you got two NRLW seasons. You got st- it's is it a three game series for State of Origin this year? Anyway, you've got you've got rep footy. I think they've got the World Cup on at the end of the year. Yep. So. Um, it's going to be a big year for um, for the NRLW competition uh, anyway. Uh, get, look, get out get out in, in your droves to the th- Magic Round kickoff for the uh, NRLW Round 1. Uh, should be an absolute cracker. Yeah, hopefully we get a good crowd out there, mate. The weather's not looking the best for it, but um, hopefully it holds off a night. But, you know, a bit of rain's typical Newcastle footy weather, and it's better than it being 45 degrees. So, yeah, get out there and support the girls. Newcastle Knights teams playing in torrential weather, mate. That gives me uh, Vietnam flashbacks. Oh, there's, oh, there's a famous <laughs> photo flag you ran about that. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember... Social media isn't a bad place, you just need to follow the right people.